When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Bodner, joined once again by a guy who needs no ramping up period. How you doing, Kyle? I was about to say, I believe there must be the largest ramp in the history of ramps is somewhere in Philadelphia, or maybe not in Philadelphia. It might actually be in Camden, but James Harden is on it at some some place before yeah. the end, but after the beginning. I don't well, know where on the ramp he's at. It's a little bit like a roller coaster. <laughs> and I grew up in the Allentown area, so I'll go with you know Steel Force and Dorney Park. Where he ramped Love up. Love me some Steel Force. And then he went down, and now he's ramping back up again. And maybe this is a, 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 a slower or a, a shorter ramp. Who knows? There's been some reporting that maybe he could join them for the home opener. But James Harden was in Camden today. He did rejoin the team. Uh, they didn't really have much of a practice. It was mostly a walkthrough to get ready for the home or the opener uh, tomorrow night. He's not going to join them on their two-game road trip. We'll see after that. He is with the team. Kyle, our, the basketball team that we cover is finally normal, right? <laughs> right? It's never normal, man. I mean, so some VH1 behind the music over here. Derek texted me this morning. He had a personal <laughs> obligation that he was hoping to have to, to, to deal with. And he's like, I probably won't make it to practice. And then I get a text from Derek, what, like an hour later, yeah. two hours, an hour and After a half later. After the report came out that he had joined him. I won't repeat what he actually said, but it was essentially, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I see Derek trudge into the practice facility same around the same time as I did, 1145 this morning. It was like head down, just shoulders <laughs> slumped and... I can't believe these assholes are doing this to us again. So well, they had practice a half an hour earlier today than they have any other point up to this point. So that's why, like when I, I made my appointment, I was like, gosh, darn it. I'm going to miss the practice because, um, you know, I scheduled this thinking I had to get there at 1215. I had to get there half an hour early. Um, and then the news came out and yeah, I was a little bummed that I was going to miss it, but we got there in time. So crisis averted. Not that it really matters. Derek did not need to ramp up in order to get to practice. And we have a great callback from Donovan in the comments saying, Glenn Robinson's ramp has been dusted off the one that he <laughs> took when he took a covered wagon across the country in order to come back and play for the Sixers. So. I might have been doing my best Julia Look for impersonation down 95, but I I got there. I got so, there. so for anyone who's playing catch up, I guess, do you want to run us through, Derek, how this all unfolded? This morning, it, it's kind of, you know, multiple people reporting the same thing at the same time. And then we arrive at the practice facility and anarchy begins. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you're, I think it was, was it Shams who first I believe reported, Shams was first, yeah. Uh, that he came back to, uh, to rejoin the team, uh, joined them on Tuesday night. According to Shams, he had his bags packed and ready to go to play against the Bucks on Thursday. And the team told him, hold back. Uh, according to Nick Nurse, the reason is pretty simple. He hasn't practiced in 10 days, so he's not ready to play NBA basketball. I think that is probably fair. I'm not sure James Harden necessarily cares if he is ready to play NBA basketball. If you remember from his last two uh, trade requests, he has not exactly put forth the greatest effort when he has played, but that is sort of where things stand. Nick Nurse was a little noncommittal when we talked to him about whether he would actually play there in the home opener over the weekend. Again, we'll see. Uh, and Nick Nurse pretty much took a we'll see attitude on everything. You know, I asked him towards the end of the press conference whether he had confidence, given what we was told about um, James Harden's uh, personal reasons and his absence, whether or not James would need more time away from the team. 
And he basically said, like, it was the equivalent of the ASCII emoji shrug and saying we can't really predict anything going forward, which is what Kyle and I have been trying to tell you here for the last couple of weeks. We don't know what's going to happen in an hour later tonight. Certainly not three or four days down the line, but he is currently in Camden as the rest of the team prepares to leave for Milwaukee, which basically means going to be away from the team, but trying to work with their training staff to ramp back up. Yeah, so I want to credit Derek. Not that I love giving Derek no, credit in all. public. No, not at all. I'm honestly a little surprised. I'm unsure of where you're going to go with this, but we'll, we'll see. I want to credit Derek for the way he framed his question to Nick today, where I believe you said something to the effect of with what James is dealing with away right. from the team and didn't get into specifics. Do you have confidence that that's resolved and he's going to be here now. And that's when Nick essentially told us, I don't have a fucking clue what's going <laughs> yes. on here. Paraphrased. He didn't drop the F-bomb. <laughs> yeah, no F-bombs yeah. and no, no clue. And look, we do have some people pushing back. David saying, stop talking about a guy who's not part of the team. Unfortunately, we he very to. much is part of the team. In all honesty, I think there's now a better chance he ends up playing for the team at some point. So whether or not he's with them, how he's ramping back up, what timeline we're looking at, whether or not you can predict that he will stay in the lineup. Those are all, unfortunately, and look, David, in the chat, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. We get you. I'm with you. We just can't, we would, we would be ignoring the responsibilities of our job if we didn't ask questions about this and if we didn't talk about it. And I'm being honest, like we didn't ask that many questions to the players who were made available. Like the questions come mostly down to Nick Nurse. He's paid big bucks to deal with situations like this. Yes. He doesn't seem like he's super thrilled about it. I understand why, but it is our job to follow up. And I will say this is, you can tell me if you agree or not, Derek today felt like the first time there was a little bit of a, a crack with Nick where you're seeing the humanity come through where he's like kind of sick of this nonsense. He, he wants to talk about, and honestly, when people were asking him about Milwaukee and about the game and about lineups and different things, you could see him get excited to talk about the game. And I think that's overall mood amongst the team is good right now. It's yeah. as, as we've said, it's, you know, new school year. They're all, they're picking out outfits and Kelly Oubre pushed back on that Which, one. Which let's a be bit. honest. I don't buy that at all. <laughs> I buy that even less than anything that James Harden will do or say. But these guys are pretty fired up. I think they had a good training camp, good preseason. They've all largely bought into what yep. Nick is selling. I think that there's a sense of camaraderie and they've been able to compartmentalize this. So I get it. I don't even like having to ask about this. I would love to be like, Hey, so how are you guys going to cover Dame and Giannis in a pick and roll? Not that Nick would ever give us the answer to that publicly before a game, but that's what Derek and I love doing and love talking about. Unfortunately, the Sixers don't cooperate and James Harden isn't cooperating. And so I guess the, the most interesting part of this to me, Derek, is that they essentially told him to stay back in Philadelphia. Like, mm -hmm. He's ramping up and he's got to get his work in. You're telling me he couldn't do that on the road in a gym somewhere with well, staffers. Like, I, I don't really buy that. And there's also like, on the one hand, you can't really replicate a game performance without at least scrimmaging or playing yeah. in preseason games. Well, what's he going to do when, when the entire team's out in Milwaukee? How's he going to replicate that with a bunch of Sixers training staff members? I, I don't, I don't I have no idea. Well, so the, no the word we got today was that he'll work out with blue coats players and two way guys. And there was a and quite, by the way, quite there, hilarious two way situation that unfolded today. Any, but to that same point, Derek, James Harden practicing against G league players, no disrespect to those guys who would beat my ass in any kind of basketball game. James isn't getting anything out of that. It's other than running up and down the floor. That's not like you're not putting him in, real game situations no, <laughs> no <laughs> so sort of the subtext sort of is they don't want him around because they believe that it's the first time they've they haven't come out and said it but they're giving away that they think his presence might be becoming a distraction and, and that i think that's part of the calculus for why he's staying home instead of being on the bench in some crazy outfit for game one in milwaukee yeah and there's only so long he can do that before it becomes a big story. If that is true, what you say, then him just returning last night gives him some cover to do that for a little while. 
just go back to what Nick Nurse said. We have absolutely no idea what tomorrow is going to bring, and it would be impossible for me to sit here and try to predict it. But it is interesting that he's back, and I do think he eventually plays. One of the questions, you know, we're going to do a little bit of our season predictions. One of the questions is how many games does James Harden play for the Sixers? I probably feel a little more confident in my answer now than I did uh, 24 hours ago. But again, does that mean he's going to be here in a week? No idea. No idea. Yeah. So I, I do that creeping sense of like what's going to happen is setting in a little bit, I think. Otherwise, good spirits at the practice facility. Paul Reed was telling stories about talking shit to Giannis in previous matchups with Milwaukee. If you can imagine a guy of Paul's stature getting into it with guy who's won a title and yeah. MVPs and all that. Like I, I got a real kick out of that today. Kelly Oubre says they're starving for this season and success. And in Kelly's case, probably some more shot opportunities, but overall it's a, the mood is so good that it's weird that this is all happening at the same time. It's, there's almost two separate organizations right now. It's like the, the James Harden team. And then there's everybody else. Yep. Yep, but we do get to finally watch that team without James Harden play competitive, meaningful basketball in just a little bit over 24 hours. For that, I am very, very grateful because at the very least, tomorrow night's show will be about the people on the court. It'll yes, be about so a good will. matchup, and it'll be about a very interesting matchup that I am excited to spend time talking well, about. Well, and it'll, it'll allow Derek to move on from the pain that I know he's in just from for like that, 24 hours, just that a Philly's bit. loss oh last night. Good. We didn't even start off the show talking about that. I that know. was devastating. I'm that sorry that I had to pull the knife out and stab you in the middle of the show, but I, you guys have not seen Derek moping around all day <laughs> like I have. So I wanted to make sure that everyone knows at least the Phillies fans amongst you, which I'm sure there are many that Der Derek individually is feeling the same pain as you. I thankfully woke up today and I think I realized the second the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I was free from this prison forever. I don't I feel nothing anymore. They yeah. they got me the the Lombardi and that was that was all I needed for the rest of my life, I think. No, look, my my <laughs> my my pain is was alleviated in 08 by the Phillies. That one meant the world to me, in part because I was there for game five of the World Series. I was there for the parade, I was there for all the celebrations. I had uh, partial season tick plans. So that first real one of my lifetime. That was great. Eagles definitely helped. The losses still sting. And I think I came into that one, you know, I am prepared for weird, random, unpredictable, sometimes uncontrollable shit to happen in a baseball game. You get in a do or die baseball game, I'm prepared for just about everything. Mm -hmm. What is going to piss me off and will piss me off about that team and that night for a long time was just the approach at the plate. And like, it's one thing to get unlucky. It's maybe it's another thing to hit balls hard and they're just right at people or they come up on the warning track. But when you're swinging on sliders two feet outside and bouncing off the dirt, you're not giving yourself a good chance to get lucky. And that just drove me insane. And I'm honestly a little bit glad that we got 13 minutes of that before you had to remind me of how pissed off I was last night. But thank you, Kyle, for bringing me back into that. You're welcome. Home. So what would be the Sixers equivalent of their approach last night? If, they, if the Sixers were in a, a team full of Kelly Oubre's. I was going to say if there was a game seven and they decided they weren't going to shoot any threes, yeah. but they just, it's just like a complete strategic malpractice no, on their part. It, it came at me last night. Like Nick Castellanos and Kelly Oubre are the same person, a little too much swagger, a little too much confidence, a bad approach that kills their overall production and, and lessens what should be a highly talented player. Nick Castellanos is a better version. He's a better baseball player than Kelly Oubre is a basketball player, but I think there's a little too many similarities there. And quite frankly, there were similarities up and down that roster over the last two games. And they just, like I said, I'm completely at ease. Like if they lose game six and seven off of randomness and luck and bad bounces and it happens, that was just maddening. I can't, I can't. Yeah. We don't have to get too far into it because I know a lot of people are upset today. I just wanted to make sure Derek had his chance to, Thanks, Kyle. to unload a, a little bit, but look, that that's the beauty of sports. You feel this pain to hopefully eventually very little in Philadelphia, unfortunately, I know. feel the joy of success. And it's, it's all about the journey, buddy. Those two championships that we mentioned were hands down some of the best moments of my life. 
and they, and the the struggle and the pain and the the heartbreak certainly contributes. Absolutely. Sam says that the Sixers literally did what the Phillies did in May. I don't think so. I could be one. Boston was a better team than the Sixers. They lost the last two games, and that was similar. I think the reason, you know, a lot of people today, I don't, I don't go there with this. Have said this is the worst loss or one of the worst losses in history because they're the better team. I get it from that perspective. It's just about the age curve for me. Nothing will ever hurt worse than the Eagles losing the final game with the vet to the Bucks and. You and I have had this conversation before, Derek, about the Bucs were at least a really good team. And so, you know, it doesn't sting as much in that way. But the way that they lost that game and the age I was in my life was just like uh, nothing will ever hurt as bad as that no, one. I, I remember because I was in college at the time. I remember going out at a bar with a buddy and we just sat there and drank like probably two beers. I don't think we said an entire word the entire time. And then we just paid our tab and left and like we had nothing left to say because it was just complete heartbreak yeah i really thought that was that was that was that was the year i think this was very similar to the hawks meltdown yeah honestly i I think that's more apt than last year's celtic series for sure yeah sure better team had the game at home to win i don't know if there was an equivalent of is kimbrell's blown or bullpen meltdown the equivalent of the blown 26 point lead or whatever it was in game five. I don't know how to cross the streams there, Uh, but I think the Atlanta series is the good comp. Yep. I agree. All right. Do we want to take a quick break and then we'll talk about more debilitating losses or maybe talk about the future. What do you think? Sure. Let's go for it. All right. Well, I need some shady rays to cover my, I was going to say, I want to tell you guys about our good friends at shady rays. You guys can gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last. I know you guys think like sunglasses are for the summertime. I will actually say the time I probably use sunglasses the most is in the winter, especially in Philadelphia. You get that the that very thin layer of snow on the ground. The reflection is coming off it. You need those sunglasses are you to make in, sure. In, indoor sunglasses? Are we going to see you like no, Kelly Oubre? No, no, Oubre? I'm, not, I'm no. not a Kelly Oubre, but I will be wearing my Shady Rays throughout the winter. And if you're not going to wear sunglasses in the winter, I know Derek is looking forward to the quick swap snow goggles that you can also get instead of those premium polarized shades, and they won't break the bank. They're an independent sunglasses company offering an unrivaled product just as good as any expensive pair we've worn, durable frames, world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports, get those snow goggles, and they can easily go from full sun to low light. Don't let changing light conditions slow you down on the slopes when all you need is Shady Ray's slow goggles. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. What a bargain. So try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I will say, I'll get, I'll get, to, I'll get to hear Brad in a second. We have um, Billy H comparing Trey Turner to Donovan McNabb. I don't like cross-sport comparisons. But I feel like when I was ranting about Castellanos, I should have mentioned him too because his approach was just as bad. And I have no idea how that dude won a bat- batting title. Couple years. He's a great player when he's on. It just seems like when he's off, he's so far in his head and he was nowhere near the ball yesterday. I, just have, a, I have a Trey Turner take when you're done talking just, about our good friends at Hero Bread. Uh, there were no heroes for the Phillies there last night, I'll tell you not, that. Definitely not. <laughs> anyway, something a little more positive. We have a couple boxes of Hero Bread out in our studios. I swear every day when I come in, there's a very, very significant chunk of that delivery gone. Um, you know, I've been using a store brand sort of low carb bread for years. Uh, I just put in an order for hero bread so I can try that out. Um, as not only do I find it a better fit for sort of like my dietary needs and goals, um, but with the selection they have to offer from sliced bread, tortillas, burgers, hot dogs, and, and burger buns, uh, and more that delivered directly to your door. Uh, I think that will be a great solution. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, 
flavorable one. High in fiber and low in net carbs with fewer calories than the leading national brand and five to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription. So you can get Hero Bread delivered to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. So I, I just, this, I'm just asking questions, so don't shoot right, the messenger Kyrie. here. If Trey Turner's turnaround was because of the fans applauding him, are the fans to blame for him failing in the biggest moment of the season? You kind of can't have it both ways, right? I mean, it's not happening. We weren't giving him, if you didn't give him a standing ovation as he's <laughs> fucking up in game seven, it's your fault that he was no, so bad. I am not. I'm totally kidding. I, 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 I give them credit. <laughs> for uh, giving him the ovation because I think Philly has a, a very, I don't even want to say it's deserved because I feel like the last decade, it's different than when like maybe you or I grew up. Yeah. But there is definitely a, a, a period where they would get on people pretty quickly. And I like giving it another shot, just trying a different tactic. Uh, I give them credit for giving a, a, a struggling player a little bit of love. But I mean, we've seen it. I know people love killing Philly fans for Ben Marco Simmons. Marco got that. a standing ovation for playing basketball. Even Ben Simmons, up yeah. until that Trey Young pass at the rim in game seven against Atlanta, he was getting ovations yeah. at the free throw line as this guy is literally shooting them out of the series. To your point, Markel Fultz didn't accomplish basically anything for the team and got a hero's welcome when he comes back mm-hmm. from his situation. So, yeah, I, I think... Philly fans generally have grown, I don't want to say friendlier, but have looked at it from a different approach more often as I've gotten older. And it's something I appreciate. Yeah, I think this generation of Philly fans is a little softer. Not softer in a bad way, but softer and not quite as hard on the athletes. The only thing time that that I think Philly fans sometimes get on athletes for, or at least specifically for our sport, that I disagree with is shooters. I still feel like shooters will draw booze pretty quickly when it's like... It's the Danny Greens, effort, the Robert yeah, the, Covington. It's not an effort-based yeah. thing. Like you're going to miss, even the good shooters are going to miss 60% of the time and you're going to go through slumps. It's the nature of the game. That is one area where I still feel like we in Philadelphia boo more than maybe we should. Other than that, like I think there are times when booing is merited. I think there are times when they are supportive when they need to be supportive. Do they get it right every time? No, but I think that is a, I mean, it's an incredible fan base and I think we're channeling our passion maybe a little better or a little more productively than we did in decades past. Yeah, I want to be clear. I was completely joking. There are some people that Brian points out the fans were standing the entire game yesterday. The fans, <laughs> as far as I could tell, were incredible yep. at Citizens Bank Park. Certainly the game Derek and I went to. See, look what happens when you don't send Derek and I to the games. They win 10 nothing every game we've ever been to together. Right. And look. we didn't go to game seven. I'm just saying maybe you guys can... Cough up a little extra from the couch, the couch cushions, and get are, us at every Philly sporting event. Are you directly event you blaming Vince for the Phillies' loss? I am going to blame Vince for the Phillies' loss. So take take all your issues up with our guy Vince, who works for PHLY, who did not send us for Game Seven. We do have a perfect record. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wanted to segue sort of into the prediction stuff, but start with the Harden thing that you and I talked about, Derek, leading into the season. What was the line? that you set for hardened games played this year? Was it 11, 11 and games? a half? Yeah. 11 and a half. So initially Derek sent Rich Hoffman and I a, a list of things. We wanted to make predictions for both the team and the league. We did our league predictions yesterday. And initially when he said over under 11 games played for James Harden, I was smashing that under. And today I don't know whether what happened today makes me think, I should change that or if I should stick with it and the Sixers are going to tell him to eat shit and stay home because we sort of have arguments for both at the same time. Right. Yep. So where do you did today change, I guess your outlook on how many games Harden is going to play for the team? No, I think I, I, I took the over and I think Kyle was stunned by that. Probably. Uh, I think my reasoning basically went to, I think it benefits the Sixers long-term if he does play because it gives the appearances of normalcy. 
And I think Harden doesn't want to get fined for missing games because he likes money. So I think eventually he's going to return. And I also think this is going to take a long time. I I, I would be not going to say it's not going to happen. I would be surprised if it happened before December. So I basically looked at December, said, all right, if he ends up playing like 50% of the games, I think that's going to end up being more than 11 and a half. So I took the over and, you know, I think it's probably going to be like he comes back, plays a couple games, probably plays a couple games hard, then loafs for a couple games. Maybe they send him away for a little bit and then he comes back. Like, I just think this is going to be dragged out long enough where I did take the over on that one. Yeah. So just in the interest of sticking to my original pick, I'm still going to stick with under because here's where I'm at. I think when Harden is eventually back out on the floor, there's only going to be so long before James Harden decides I'm not good soldier anymore. Like maybe he shows up for the first couple of games. He goes out and he shows the Clippers or maybe anybody else who'd want to trade for him teams that don't exist as far as we know currently. He puts on a show, maybe he scores 25 points, gets 10 assists. Oh my God, look, James Harden is still really good, blah, blah, blah. Once he proves his point, it's right back to sabotage, sabotage, sabotage. And I don't think based on what we've seen with how the team is playing, with Nick wanting to focus on the guys that are here, the task at hand rather than Harden, I don't suspect Nick's tolerance for the bullshit is especially high. And I think at a certain point, and I'm, I don't even think it'll take more than a single game of nonsense to just say, go the hell home. We don't want you here anymore and we'll figure it out later. Yeah. I mean, I guess that I I could see, I could see it taking maybe three or four games of nonsense, but I think uh, part of my calculus was he plays five games hard, a couple games of nonsense and I set 11 and a half because I figured that was about where you didn't know how long those two things would last. And I also think there's a chance he then re- rejoins it just because it's going to, I think this is going to take a while. Uh, it does feel like something where I could have, it could be zero or it could be 30. And I truthfully don't know, but I think you're right. I think eventually there could be a, a, a limit for nonsense. I'm just not sure where that is. We have a lot of questions in the chat. I forget where, I think it was John. Asking why would he let Harden play? Uh, wouldn't that stunt Maxi's growth? You know, if Harden ends up, I don't, I don't think he will play more than even. If I'm taking the over. I don't think I'd be surprised if he plays more than twenty, something like that. So you're gonna have ample time with Maxi having the ball in his hands. I don't. I yeah. think you need to try to get as much as you can from this trade asset. So I think that's why the Sixers will eventually want him on the floor. I also think to that point against or about Maxi. I don't think. We kind of have to reimagine how you're looking at Tyrese and say, even if we're calling him the point guard and he's the guy with the ball in his hands, he's never going to be the like Chris Paul floor general, 10 assists per game type guy. His weapon is scoring. And so more than likely, whoever you're going to try to pair him with long-term, whether it's a wing with playmaking talent, whether it's a bigger guard, who can run the offense, it's always going to be with a guy who can, if he's not the number one table setter, lead the offense guy, he's at least someone who's going to split that responsibility with Tyrese. Like I don't ever think Tyrese, based on his trajectory right now, is going to just be the complete floor general. And that's okay. He can still be a super valuable player. He's been a super valuable player offensively already up to this point. So I like... Harden coming back just makes him focus more on the stuff that we know he can do well. And as soon as Harden's out of the game and it's the Tyrese show, he can do more of that lead dog playmaking stuff that he'll have to do, but I don't think he has to do at like, you know, a hundred possessions a game type level. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And honestly, he doesn't need, like you said, he doesn't need to initiate all of the offense to get better at making plays when he creates an advantage, like he's going, even with Harden on the floor, he's going to have driving lanes. He's going to run pick and rolls. He's going to run off and dribble hands off handoff. You need him to focus more on that all the time. Even when he's sharing the floor with somebody else, because to your point, he's very rarely in his career, probably going to be the only initiator and Harden's unique because he dominates the ball more than most other primary or one a initiators. But he will, like I said, I think he's going to play a lot of time this year without James Harden in the short term. And again, that might be a month, a month and a half, whatever. I do think you have to get as much back 
on this asset that you have as as you can uh, because the Sixers, I don't know if you noticed, they don't have very many draft picks right now, and that makes <laughs> trades tough. No, you're no. kidding. True story. True story. All right, let's uh, take one more break here. This time, I'm going to start off telling you about game time. I guess lucky for you, you don't have to worry about dropping $1,300 on Phillies tickets <laughs> for game three of the World Series, but you are still going to want to go to concerts, events, what have you. Eagles games. Eagles games are not Sixers cheap. Sixers home opener coming this Sunday Sixers night. Sixers games might be a little cheap. The demand for them isn't there, but regardless of the price point, you're going to want to make sure you have good seats, a good line of sight, that you're getting the best deal possible. Game time is the place you want to go. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Yes, even at Sixers games, it's fun. I promise you, Tyrese Maxey's going to make a fast trans- transition layup one day and you're going to be back in. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticking app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. With tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute deal, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty. So I want to tell you about our good friends at Soul Savvy, which is where you go when you don't want to miss out on the biggest sneaker drops. And the Soul Savvy Drops app is an app that you need on your phone immediately. Soul Savvy has been around since 2018, and their mission has always stayed the same. Get sneakers into the hands of people who love them the most. You guys are out there fighting bots, fighting just normal customers like you and I. And Soul Savvy is going to make sure that you have the best possible chance to get your grails and the sneakers that you want at retail prices. And that's what it's all about. So the Drops by Soul Savvy app makes it easy to keep up with all the latest news, releases, raffles, and sales in the sneaker world. It's a one-stop shop for everything sneakers. Get instant notifications. Never miss a release again. You'll get instantly notified whenever your size is available to buy. There's free raffle management, so you can keep track of all the raffles that happen in sneakers with our raffle tracker. And the release calendar keeps you updated on all upcoming releases, accurate, up-to-date, and as soon as new ones come in, they will be there on the calendar. So whether you're a casual buyer or an all-out sneakerhead, Soul Savvy has something for you with three different levels. There's the basic version, which is free. There's mobile plus, or there's premium. I have premium and I have to say that the experience has been wonderful so far. And we do have a drop alert for you this Saturday, October 28th, Soul Savvy's dropping Air Jordan 12 cherries. So be sure to check out the drops app, to check them out. Sign up for Soul Savvy by clicking the links in the description below or by visiting links.soulsavvy.com slash ph. L-Y, or head over to the App Store and download the Drops by Soul Savvy app. Brandon B in the chat mentioning that the city has lost seven straight Game 7s since 2012. That's true? So Sixers lost four, right? Because there's a one back. There's two Flyers losses okay. and a Phillies loss. Yeah. I think the Flyers were the Islanders, the Islanders right, and I don't know what the other they one really was. Haven't, there hasn't, hasn't been one that they won, though. Night, no te- that's, that's oof. No, it's... Uh, that's bad. It's a pretty rough stretch for Philadelphia sports. Now, There's been a lot of rough stretches for yeah, Philadelphia there, sports. There was the championship, but... Yeah. I will say this. like Comparing it to when I was an actual kid in the 90s, the teams weren't even good enough to care about yeah. losses. So it's uh, true. The heartbreak that I went through early 2000s with the Eagles, when I was in college with the Phillies 2010-2011 after they won, part of the reason that it's you don't look back on it fondly but you can say the they actually mattered those teams like oh, they no. had a real chance and that's why it hurts it's like you at least had a team you could hold on to and like players that you liked or a manager that you thought was inventive like whatever the reason is there was at least something that made you feel for the team rather than 
the Ricky Waters for who, for what Eagles yeah. and all that bullshit. No, I think Charlie's in the other room dying for a game seven loss right now. He would love for them to be relevant. For sure. Yeah. All right. Do you want to move on to the rest of the Sixers? Yeah, we got a lot of Sixers predictions. I know people yesterday probably didn't love hearing all about the Nuggets and the Celtics yeah. and how good we thought they were going to be. And by the way, Nuggets and Jokic looked really damn good last night. The Suns obviously won their opener as well. KD a little off the pace, but still ended up winning. So our, our finals participants looking pretty good on night one. Where do you want to start with the Sixers' specific predictions, Derek? Do you want to go with the over-unders first, or you want to go with the team stuff? Let's do some over-unders first. Yeah, I feel like. All right. So we already mentioned the 11 games played for James Harden. You're taking the under. I'm going with the over. This is one that ties directly into your very first article with PHLY. Over under of 31 and a half points per game for Joel Embiid. I'm going under. And I almost made this one of my bold predictions. I would not be shocked if he scores under 30 points a game this year okay. after two straight years of 30 plus. Just, I know we're only reacting to one preseason game and it wasn't like he was completely kept down. He got to the free throw line a lot. Oh, so you're going not because he's necessarily like trying to score less. You're you're saying like effectiveness wise? No, 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 not oh, effectiveness okay. wise. I'm saying the way that they played okay. and the way okay. that he has talked about. I want to be a playmaker. I think it's the right way to play. I, from what we can tell, I think he's bought into this idea that they need to share the ball and spread it around, and that's how they're going to potentially win in the playoffs. And I just think that that's going to naturally eat into his top line volume numbers. Now, will he still have the ball a lot? Yes. Will he still score a lot? Yes. I still think he's going to score on a bad day. He's scoring 28, 29 points, but I just think all the signs are he's going to give himself up, even if it's just slightly for the rest of the team. And I don't think for, he's certainly not going to score what he scored like 33, 33. Yeah. last year. I don't think he's approaching that number, and I would not be shocked if it's under 30, even though that would seem to be crazy based on the last two years. I took the under. I think I'm more hoping for the under than believing, though. Like, I, I want him to have that approach. I want him to do everything he can to make Tyrese Maxey an all-star. I want Maxey to score 25-plus and take that step, and I think Joe's got to be critical in that. I worry a little bit that not having Harden there will make it a little tougher for him. Mm -hmm. And I do think he is going to have the mindset to share more, but I do worry that like a month in the season, if they're not having the team success, if he might then try to revert back and do everything or do more himself at the very least, I have that nagging concern. So I took the under, I'm not a hundred percent confident in it, but I will stick with my initial gut prediction. Yeah. And Look, just saying under a point threshold for him is not a value judgment, right? Because no. to the points that you and I are both bringing up here. We both wanted him to score less. We want him to score less, and him scoring less can be the product of better or holistic offense. Now, I'm not super confident that they're going to have a top-line offense this year. In fact, I skew more toward I think they'll be middle of the pack, perhaps above average, and they're going to have to make up for it on the defensive end of the floor. But I think if Joe commits himself to things like running the floor and the defensive end and just keeping the ball moving and making life easier for guys like Tyrese and DeAnthony and Tobias and even guys like Jaden Springer, actually certainly guys like Jaden Springer and Pat Bev and these guys who are not you know, great individual creators on their own who need a little bit more help from a guy like Joe yep. in the middle of the floor. I agree. So uh, we're both taking the under, but I don't think it's a, we think Joel is taking a step back. It's a more of an evolution type. Yeah, I agree. Sort of tied into this over under of six assists per game for Tyrese Maxey. I'm going under. I went with the over. All right. I so make the case. Well, I, th I think part of it, when you have the ball in your hands as much as I think he will, uh, I think you're going to have the opportunities. I do think he, I mean, T Tobias Harris was joking that two years ago he was being put in the dunker spot uh, when he was, you know, basically Which in place for Ben. People loved hearing people that, love by the that. Way. Honestly, I'm not even really sure if he meant it as a shot at Doc, just more like they were just dropping him into the Ben Simmons role. Regardless, he was not necessarily being asked to create. In fact, Doc Rivers, the previous years, 
focus on your scoring, the shot creation will come. I think he's at a point where, you know, you put the ball in his hands a lot and ask him to really attack. The passing avenues are just going to be like, even what did Fred Van Vliet average a couple like throughout the last couple of years? All right. So I have the Raptor stuff. It's part of the point I wanted to make. Okay. Okay. Van Vliet last season, 7.2 assists a game. I don't think Van Vliet's a great passer. I don't think that's something Tyrese Maxey can't do. Like when I talk about Tyrese Maxey developing as a passer, I don't even, I actually think assists are one of the most overrated stats out there. Um, I don't, I care a lot more about creating advantages than I do about the actual assist. Like Joe might be the perfect example. If they run more DHOs this year, he might end up getting a lot more assists. It's not really about the passing in that regard. It's just how you're being used in the offense. Tyrese Maxey, I think is going to accumulate assists. And I'm still going to say he's missing some passes. He's not making as much out of the attention he's drawing as he could. I want to see more growth. I think the assists will come, not like at a James Harden level, but at a more than they ever have. Well, does that mean he's going to grow as much of a, as a passer as Sixers need? I don't know, but I think he's just going to have the ball enough where he's going to put up some numbers. And I think he is going to give it a real effort to try to make those passes. Okay, so to your point, Fred Van Vliet, the last four seasons, 2023, 7.2 assists, 2022, we already made the all-star team 6.7, 6.3 in 21, 6.6 in 20. So I think if you want to try to use him as the blueprint for Tyrese, I can understand that. And I think I th- I do think that Fred is probably a better natural passer than Maxi yes. has been up to this point in his career, but he's not a great passer. So that's why I settled on the under. That and because, as we just both pointed out, the offense still runs through Joel, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the assists that may be on another team that you're playing mostly through your perimeter guys would go to the perimeter guys. I think Joel might end up with a lot of incidental assists that are just, you're going to yep. take those out of the guards hands. And I do think that it's a trickier task than I think we're discussing or that maybe the the public thinks it is for Tyrese to find that perfect middle ground between just go out there and score and hunt your own shot and do the things that everybody can see that you're good at and now build on that and become a point guard and a guy who's making life easier for everybody and making the right reads. And honestly, it might be a situation where I would be almost concerned if he has too many assists. I know that seems silly, but I think if you have his mind too much on the playmaking and the passing rather than the things that are his special skills, you need the shooting, the yep. speed, the getting to the rim. That's the stuff that I think separates him from other guys who are, you know, middling to maybe slightly above average playmaker. So I'm going under, I don't think it'll be that far under. I think like a five, five and a half, somewhere right. in that range is probably where I'm expecting this year, but I would not be shocked at all to see him hit the over. Okay. One more over under before we get to the team specific stuff. Over under of 0.5 starters added by trade this season. I initially told you under, but I I changed that. You changed it? Okay. Yeah, I I did put over. I don't think it's going to be on the first trade, but I think in the second trade that they make in February is I think where they try to get it. So I'm I'm going to say over as well, but I'm going to hide my reason for now because there's another prop that I brought up in our chat this morning. Okay. I wanted to make sure that I tie it into, into that. I mean, I don't know if I have too much of a discussion on this one. Daryl has to. There's a trade that has to be made <laughs> right. and, you know. Now, I could see something where they trade hard in maybe December, January. They don't really find anyone to go all in on, on the trade deadline. Maybe they keep those draft picks that they get in a hardened trade and try to use that in the summer. I guess it's theoretically possible, but I think unlikely. And if he's going to make a second trade here after the hardened trade, whoever you're acquiring, even if they're not the star that maybe Sixers fans want them to be, you have to be acquiring somebody who's capable of starting. So that's why I went with the over there. So actually I sent you an over under related to this. Okay. The, the perfect time to segue. I said, over under 0.5 games played by P.J. Tucker after the trade deadline. So I think my suspicion is there's a lot of smoke surrounding it in the summertime. I think P.J. is getting moved at some point. I think it would make sense if it happens in conjunction with the hard move. 
And so I think you're going to be trading for a starter well, basically regardless because yeah. he's leaving and right. you're not going to – unless Jaden Springer turns into, but you know, then that number needs Marcus to be like, Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I don't think him and Melton or Melton and somebody else are both getting yeah. bumped into the starting lineup. So I, I would uh, – we're in agreement on over and I sneaky think there's a, a big chance PJ gets moved this year. No, and I think if, if you're going to trade Harden, it makes sense to move PJ because A – He's not going to get those corner threes. B, he has another year left on his contract. And you know that Daryl is always thinking about having the chance to add somebody in free agency next summer, especially if they don't get maybe the starter or star level player at the deadline that they, they truly desire. So yes, I, I, I would take the under on that one as well. For sure. For sure. All right. I guess before then I will tell you about FOCO. They do not have a PJ Tucker bobblehead, but maybe we can talk to them. About that, gonna have to talk to the gang at Foco and see yeah. now that now that overall season is done, we it might is. have to be in PJ Tucker had bobblehead a really good season. Run, though. The oh, overalls had a really good run. Shout out to Foco for those overalls, man. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And even though the Phillies are out, it's still football and tailgating season means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right, do we have any... Wait, is that an Arizona fan? Champy, I love drinking salty East Coast tears. Hey, buddy, I hope you enjoyed all those days of 110 degree heat all summer. And I hope you enjoy when your house burns down one day from wow. global warming. Wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the bigger threat is just water. It's real tough to get water in that area right now. I actually love, I don't want to say I love because it's a little too hot, but I, I, I enjoy that area of the country. So I'm not going to enjoy or join you on the uh, trash talking there. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure there are many wonderful people and in the state of Arizona, but I'm if sure. you're coming in here talking trash, I'm going to make Kyle fun is, of your water yep. supply. That's, yep. that's, that's how it goes. Larry Jones in chat. He's having a good day too. He's been waiting for this moment. I don't know why you waste your time here, but Larry, I don't know how you talk about tough choke for the Phillies when the Braves lost to this exact yeah. Phillies team around earlier after winning 104 games in and the regular almost, season. Like just in the most impotent way possible. Too. I was going to say what the Braves did was a five times worse version of what the Phillies did. Right. At least the Phillies played well enough in the NLCS to choke at the end. This the is, Braves got their fucking doors blown off. This is what I'll say about Phillies fans. Phillies lose. They're not going to go trash talking diamondbacks you know, freaking. They move YouTube on to the shoots. next target. They'll, they'll be pissed off at their own team. I don't get. I don't get how this is making Larry's uh, life yeah, any better. I don't. I, don't, I, don't I truthfully know, don't man. get. It. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, moving on to what I think we had a couple questions here about the team. Rather than going directly to the record, offensive rating. Where do you have them finishing? And this is league-wide ranks out of thirty. Oh, let me. So I wrote this down somewhere. Okay, I said twelfth in offense. Yep. I actually, and, and Kyle and I came to our conclusions separately, and then Kyle sent them over. I actually said 13th. We are very close close in both offensive and defensive. Look, I think there's a couple concerns. One, you don't have James Harden creating open shots for all of these Sixers role players. And honestly, that's like the majority of it. And also, they just don't have a high-volume three-point. Like, they've lost most of their high-volume outside of Maxi. You know, losing George... As a regular season player, I think matters. Losing Tyrese, or not Tyrese, losing Shake as a regular season player, I think matters. Both of them had questions on their viability in the playoffs, but I think losing them, it's going to be a struggle both because you're not going to have Harden's passing and because you don't have a, a, a surefire, viable backup point guard that you can trust when Max is on the, or off the floor. So the way I came to this conclusion was mostly by looking at where they were as a team in the year without Ben up until the Harden trade. I believe their offense was 11th at the time of the trade, their offensive efficiency, I yep. should say. And I don't know that they're that much worse than them, but certainly Seth Curry as a, a three-point shooter is probably beyond, not probably beyond, is certainly beyond anyone other than Maxi that yep. they have now. I guess if you say Tyrese steps into his shoes, fine, but the volume is just not there elsewhere. And... 
as good as Joel is, as efficient as he is in an inefficient area, he is still a guy who operates from inefficient areas of the floor. So I think there's a ceiling on that. If they push into, I don't know, eighth, ninth, tenth, I don't think that'd be a huge shock just because Joel has gotten better during that time. Tyrese has gotten better during that time. They have decent vets, guys who can fill roles. But I think without a, a real elite ball handler, I just I don't see a way to get into that upper echelon, that top five that they were in basically all of last yeah. season. Yep. I agree. I agree. And and look, you're talking about an offense that was top two, I think, for the last two, two and two and a half months of the season. Uh, I do think they take a step back here this year. I think it's going to be much tougher. And also, I think there are key rivals that have gotten better, um, especially someone like the Celtics, who you play four times per uh, per year. All right, offensively, where do you got them? You or mean defensively? defensively? Yep. Like, defensively, I said sixth. I, I think they just don't have the the second building block guy next to Joel that I would say, if you have another real dude in that lineup, that's like not, not Ben when he was in, you know, defensive player of the year type discussions, but I mean, at least somebody who's an all defense or maybe right below that type guy. Then I, maybe I would say they're a top five, top three, when you factor in, they're going to make their bones on, yeah. On defense and, and the Nick Nurse factor, but I, I just think without that, there's it's only so high you can climb. So I went with sixth. Yep, I went with uh, seven. And the thing we're, we're like all I, over I told it, you man. we were like lockstep on this one. <laughs> the only thing really preventing me from going top five is a they don't like you mentioned they don't have a second you know all defensive caliber player and give Ben as much grief as you want. He was that caliber player when he yes. was here and he was extremely versatile, which helped. Um, real legitimately a one through four defender. They don't have that. And I just don't think Joe's going to be engaged often enough to cover up their flaws. And I actually think this is a pretty good, like, one through ten kind of defense, especially if Harden's out. I think they have a lot of good defensive pieces. Not a lot of weak links in that group, I don't think. You know, but I think they're going to take enough risks where they're going to give up enough open corner shots that that's going to impact them a little bit. And I think Nick's going to continue to do that because he wants to get out and transition and make their offense a little better. So I think you're going to sacrifice a little bit defensively because of that hyper-aggressive style that I think they're going to try to play. And I think Joe is, you know, he's a much better playoff. His offense takes a big step back in the playoffs. His defense takes a pretty big step up. He just conserves himself at times. uh, And I think that is going to prevent them from being a top five. But if he can dial it up in the playoffs, I don't necessarily care too much. Yeah, right. I hope all our other predictions are not as similar as the last two have been. Because I think they are. I think doesn't make. Close. Oh no, they're pretty close. In fact, oh. I know they are because I, I I I look at them. So overall, for a record, what do you have, and where in East does that put them? Okay, so I went with fifty-one and thirty-one. I still think. By the way, if all of this agreeing between Kyle and I is boring you out. We do have a little bit of a off the wall prediction segment, so okay, stick yeah, that is that. that is coming. Yeah. So, I went with fifty one and thirty one. I think the logic is pretty basic. It's Joel, as long as he's healthy, is fifty wins by just simply being on the floor. I think Tyrese is primed to take a step forward. I think to your point about the the one through ten rotation, I do think these guys have a lot of sturdy, solid players. Not anybody spectacular, but as long as they're healthy, you're going to bring guys in and out who I think can fit in a rotation. You don't have to like think too much about it. It's almost on autopilot. I think the competitiveness that we've seen from everyone from Jaden Springer to Kelly Oubre to Paul Reed to Maxi, I think these guys are going to get after it on defense. They'll be able to make up for some of the offensive limitations in that way. And I... I just believe that Nick is going to help this team. Whatever they're losing in Harden, I don't think they're going to replace necessarily, right? I think offensively, there's no way to just recreate or trade for a guy who historically has been one of the best offensive players in NBA history, even if it looks different from season to season. But I do think if you take James Harden and turn that into DeAnthony Melton playing more, if you get a Terrence Mann, if you get wing athletes that you can bring in here. You think they're getting Michael Jordan? How are they doing that? 
the point being, if you just fill that allotment of minutes with more defenders, more tough, active players, and you have Joel Embiid, who's led the league in scoring, and you have Tyrese Maxey, who I think is a great shooter and scorer, I think you're going to win 50 games. I settled on 51, and I think that puts them fourth in the Eastern Conference behind Boston, Milwaukee, and everybody's favorite pick to be third in the East this year, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep. I had them at 50 wins. I actually initially had them at 49. And I agree with your general point that Joel Embiid gets you 50 almost automatically. And people will say like, well, you had a similar spot a couple of years ago. They ended up winning 50 games or 50 plus games. I forget exactly what they want. Why wouldn't they do so this year when Embiid's better, when Max is better? I agree with that logic. The only difference is, you know, two years ago, they were pretty healthy. Joel Embiid was healthy. Tyrese Maxey was healthy. Tobias, Seth Curry, all those people that you were counting on to get you through those lean months were healthy. If there's a reason they don't reach 50 wins, I think it's not because of the quality of the team. It's because you just don't get quite as lucky health-wise as you did two years ago. And this team is probably uniquely ill-equipped to deal with an Embiid absence of any significance. So if there is a reason to go under, I think that is it. But Mm -hmm. I think the way I'm viewing it, like I think if you probably ran 100 simulations, the average might be under 50 just because there are going to be significant uh, simulations where you don't get that kind of health luck. But I think the way I'm viewing it is like, if you have a normal season, what does it look like? I think a normal season will end up looking sort of like right around 50 wins. Uh, I do think that uh, there is, I dropped them probably a win or two just because there is a little bit of health uncertainty or at least depth uncertainty replicate that. But I do think they're going to win games when Joel Embiid's healthy, almost irrespective of who's on the floor with them. So do you have them fourth or third? Fourth. Okay. Yeah. Is it Cleveland for you yep. as well? Yeah. yeah. I've I, seen I, some people try to put uh, the Knicks ahead of them, and I don't want to enrage our um, you know, Knicks listeners that we apparently got a little bit of yesterday, but I don't think the Knicks are quite ready for that. Yeah. So, I look, I think the Cavs, the Cavs won 51 games last year, and I think they only improved in the offseason based on their additions, right? Is that fair to say? Getting George and getting – Max Struess, I yep. think that that really helps fits. with what they were missing in the rotation. And now they can play different lineup combinations that have one of those bigs and a bunch of shooting around them. I think that's going to really help them out quite a bit. Now, what does that translate to in the playoffs is the big story with them because the Knicks did really punk them in the playoffs in round one last year. But don't think it matters for regular season projections. So I'm, I'm pricing in a bit of an uptick for Cleveland in the regular season. Sixers come down just slightly, and that puts them at fourth. And I guess, unfortunately, Derek, that probably puts them on a collision course with, do we think it's Boston in round two, if they're able to escape round one? And Yeah, I think Boston gets one seed. Yeah. Yeah. So No, to your point, though, I mean, Cleveland, their net rating last year was incredible. Like, they were a really good regular season team. Um, I think their net rating, yeah, second – uh, in the league at plus 5.6. They were a real, like their 51 and 31 regular season record was very legitimate. I expect them to be better this year. Does that mean they are ready to make a deep run in the playoffs? I have my concerns with how that team is constructed. Regular season wise, they should push through. Yeah, I agree. So I wish we had some more disagreement on all this stuff, but it is what it is. I mean, when you're right, like it's okay if you're right as well. So that's fine. <laughs> That's we do have a question from Brian in the chat. Uh, what are the odds that they trade Tobias midseason? I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think he stays on the team. And that is in large part because I think Daryl Morey is not going to get the star that he wants at the trade deadline. He's going to look at free agency as a way to go out there and make that last run. And I think if you trade Tobias, the odds are you're going to end up taking more money back for next year. Uh, I think they're going to want to keep him. I, I don't think they're going to want to add salary to their books for next year. So I would expect Tobias to be here. Yeah. I, I think the only way he's traded is if there is some form of significant opportunity mm-hmm. around the deadline. And when I say significant, I don't mean Zach Levine continues to be shopped because he's already out there. Like I think if somebody really wanted Zach Levine, they could go get him today right. if they were willing to pony up. But I'm thinking more of, I know I brought him up on the predictions yesterday. What if Ja Morant becomes available? Or what if somebody that is, I don't want to say damaged goods, but somebody whose value distressed is taking a distressed yes. asset is a, a better way of putting it. 
but someone who unexpectedly becomes available in January, February, that it's a unique opportunity to trade for them then rather than the summertime. That's the only real way I think Tobias is getting moved because I think so much of the last, I don't know, four months, five months of conversation has been all about next summer, we're going to have the most cap space and the most flexibility and blah, blah, blah. And then to trade Tobias for, I don't know, like a couple guys on two-year deals, that just doesn't seem like it would fit what Daryl and the front office are going for. I agree. I agree. And again, we have Brandon B saying that Cavs struggled against the Celtics, Bucks, and 76ers last year. Again, we're not telling you they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. We're talking about regular season wins. I do think yeah. they have some struggles against the best teams in the league. I agree with that. Want to get into a bold prediction? Yeah, we both got two of them, right? I haven't seen yours, so I don't actually know what Derek's bold predictions are and how crazy they are. So I kind of want... Should I go first or do you want to do a big reveal? I can go first. Okay. I think after January 1st, Jaden Springer plays more minutes than Paul Reed. Ooh, that I like that one. Okay. So that essentially you're, let's price that at 17, maybe Paul will play like 15 a night. Most well, likely. Well, I think a lot of people are expecting Paul to play more than that because you've okay. got the, you know, 14 or whatever that Joe's out. Then you've got the games that Joe's out. And then you've got the minutes that Paul Reed will be playing next to Joel Embiid. So basically with my prediction, I'm saying two things. One, I think Paul Reed is going to start off playing some four, but I think that will be cut back as the season goes on. Again, I, I don't completely buy into Paul being a legitimate four next to Embiid. And also I think that once we get into the season, Jaden Springer will establish himself more. And because of his versatility, positional versatility, I think once he does, he will be on the floor for more. So maybe that means Jaden at like, 17 to 20 and Paul falls back to 14 to 15. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, I do think it's going to, you and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, Derek. Nick has not exactly not super exuberant given the yeah. full throated Jaden Springer is in the rotation answer that I think maybe we were expecting to How end preseason. Calling him the 86ers. I don't champy. That, God's going to take a magnifying glass and, and burn you from the sky out in Phoenix. So I'd, I'd be careful. Is that, I'm, I'm just curious, is that a typo? Is that like a, a dig? Like, I honestly don't know why he's doing that. And for a second, I thought maybe he was talking about the G-League talk in this and chat. the 87ers, but no, they're the blue coats now. So what's going on here? Answering the, the chat champy. So anyway, I, I do think Nick has not exactly given the full endorsement of Jaden where I am a little skeptical. He's going to play. I don't want to say at all, but play a real role right away. I think it's going to take him some time and maybe it's there's a, a very wanna... specific reason I said after January 1st. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, all right, we're in agreement there. All right. I will give you one of my bold predictions for the season. I think DeAnthony Melton leads the NBA in steals. Okay. I think he was already high on the per game leaderboards last year. He's coming into the season healthy, which always helps. And I think in this system where they're going to play aggressive, where frankly, he's going to play more minutes because James is not here right now, not likely to be here long-term. And I think DeAnthony has proven himself to Nick, certainly in the preseason and training camp and whatever else. And I think he's going to be empowered to jump into passing lanes, to blitz, to do all the things that he is so good at and likes to do. Do you think maybe he's saying 86? Because, like, did you ever work in a restaurant and you're 86 and I, night and you I cancel know what 86 is, is that maybe Is that maybe what he's getting I, at? Like, cancel the city? Why are we giving this guy any I don't attention? Know. It's really bothering I'm making a point about the Anthony Melton leading the league in steals, and you're having an argument with <laughs> Champion in the comments. So that's that's where we're at today. But anyway, so I think DeAnthony is in prime position to take what was already a really strong steals and blocks profile from a guard and amplify that and that's about it i don't know how bold that actually is because he it's not like he was that far off last year in terms of the per game stuff i just think now that he is likely going to start every game without james harden and maybe even with james harden I, he's got a real chance no that was my, like my one of my pr predictions was going to be melton starts like 90 percent of the games but i don't think that's particularly bold anymore yeah i think that's the way the season is shaping up the other one, I'm going to say that Danny Green starts 10 games for them this year. Okay. 10 is pretty high. I, it has I, to be bold. It yeah. has to be bold. I think realistically, it's probably more like three to five because of injuries or some weird shit happens. But we're talking about bold predictions. I think there's a period of the time 
where Nick will try to put him out as a stabilizing force because you've got a couple guys who are out. And for a guy who, again, a month ago, I didn't know if he was going to make the roster, I think that qualifies as bold. Uh, I, I don't know how confident I am in that one, but I'm, it's a it's a bold prediction. I like, I mean, look, we're, we I feel like we've been the Danny Green podcast during the preseason talking about a guy who's not going to play that much, but we were excited for how good he looked. So. And even when he starts, he might play 10 minutes, but he'll be on the floor. Hey, by the way, Ash in the chat saying, I made a live chat to listen live. My man, Kyle. Thank you, Ash. I appreciate you stopping by. Again. Derek's chopped liver over here, here as, as always. Well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you need to hunt down more of your I'm, guys. I'm and like get Tobias Harris. I'm chat. present. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So here's my second bold prediction that Derek has already seen. I think, <clears throat> excuse me. I just got caught up over here in my throat. Tyrese Maxey is going to score 25 points a game this season. And that was part of why I went with the under on the assist total. Because I don't think Tyrese is going to become a different player without James Harden. I think he's going to become more of who he already is. And I think between the messaging from Nick that he wants him to take 20 shots a game, between the constant thing we hear from Joel Embiid to get up more threes and take more threes, I think he's just getting so much support and trust from the the guys who are the real power brokers in the organization. And I think he's good enough to go out and do it. I think he's going to make an all-star team this year. I can just see the momentum building behind this guy. Really likable kid, really talented kid, somebody who can be a beacon of hope for an organization that honestly is just steeped in chaos at all times. And I think he's he's about the right things. I think he's prepared for this role now in a way that he wasn't when Ben Simmons was fucking off to wherever he was a couple of years ago. And so I'm really excited to see this next step for Tyrese. So since you're taking the under on Tyrese Maxey at six assists, where are you placing Joel Embiid's assist totals? We have that as a question coming in from um, Elaine. What did he have? He averaged what, like four last year, I want to say? 4.2 the last two years. I put Joel up close to that six number, I think. Would you give him above five and a half? I think I would, honestly. I think I'd probably put him right around five. I, I think that's a good line to set, but... Who knows, man? I, but I'm I'm really, really excited to see what Tyrese specifically can do this year. I think that we've heard a lot about his maturity and leadership from guys around the team. And, I mean, Danny certainly saw him when he was younger and now is back. And it's like a night and day difference yep. for him, he's saying. So I think we're hearing all the right things about him. Maybe it's a tough start as he adjusts to the you know the roller coaster with James being here or not being here, but I think he is absolutely ready to take a, another big step this year. All right. Well, this was our last show before the regular season kicks off. We'll be coming to you after the game tomorrow. Post game pod on Thursday. Cannot everybody. wait to talk to you about the Philadelphia eighty sixers all year, Kyle. Why don't you give the great people on the YouTubes a shout out? Well, I want to say no thank you to Champy, Mr. Arizona, who's in here for talking all kinds of trash. But thank you for being here. Brandon, RC, Elaine, Ash, Two Minute Warning, SB, Neil. I see Gavin a lot. I see Brian, Chris, Sam. So many of you are here. I hope you guys will be with us tomorrow night after the Bucks game and with us all season. We're going to see what it looks like without James Harden, maybe with James Harden at some point. But... Unfortunately, you're stuck looking at these two faces the whole year. So we'll and, be back with you soon. And Champy, you might think you're in here trolling a Sixers show, but your ad impressions count just the same, buddy. I appreciate you being in here. If you're a better person than Champy, though, make sure to hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell icon to get notifications. We are here five days a week talking about your Philadelphia 86ers. And hit that thumbs up button for sure. People who, who just tuned in at the end and maybe aren't getting the 86ers reference are going to be very confused. Why would I listen to a, a show talking about the That's why you don't do callbacks to end the show, Derek. That's fine. Have a good one. See ya. We all silly like